This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids, and I hope you feel a big hug from myself and my guest every week when we share stories and perspectives. And today, my guest is Josephine Atlery. She is the mother of seven, and she shares her experience of creating her modern-day family via in vitro fertilization, international adoption, and surrogacy. She is a highly sought after fertility, pregnancy, and parenting mindfulness coach. And she's the author of the popular podcast, Responding to Life, Talking Health, Fertility, and Parenthood. She also is the author of a book, Mindfulness Journal for Parents and Five-Minute Mindfulness for Pregnancy. I loved getting to know Josephine and her story and her practice of mindfulness. I hope you find this episode helpful and encouraging. All right, friends, if you're looking for a great multivitamin for yourself or your kids, make sure you check out Prevenex. That is where my family gets all of our vitamins and supplements. And their kids' chewable multivitamin is not only tasty, but it contains optimal forms and key vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that support children. They also donate a bottle of these to malnourished kids around the world for every bottle you purchase. They have a wonderful give back model. My kids like the taste of it and it's low sugar and the sugar that it does have is from natural sources. We also use their protein powder quite a bit in my family as well. You can go to Prevenex.com and use the code Lindsay15, that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5 for 15% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Josephine. Okay. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Josephine Atlery on the show. Welcome to the show, Josephine. Thanks so much for having me on. Really excited to talk with you and hear all about your unique journey to motherhood and all that you do uh, with the community for women and parents walking through pregnancy, infertility, fertility, (laughs) post-pregnancy, all the things, right? All the things. Yep. Uh, you have seven kids. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, well, tell us a little bit about your journey to motherhood. Yeah, it began straight away with IVF. Uh, we knew that we'd have to do that based off of an illness that was um, a part of our history. And it didn't work. We tried it for like back to back for several years. Then I finally did become pregnant with twins, only to lose them at 17 weeks. And it was at that point that we pivoted to international adoption. And after about almost a year, it's pretty fast, we adopted our son from Kazakhstan, brought him home, finally became a family. It was amazing. And about a year into that is when I found the strength to try one last time. And very thankfully, we became pregnant once again with twins and after they threw the kitchen sink at me, I was able to hold on to the pregnancy and gave birth to boy-girl twins. Um, during that IVF, we, you know, we had a number of embryos frozen. So about five years later, we decided that 
we wanted to give them a try. It's just that we decided to do it via surrogacy. So we partnered with an amazing surrogate, and she carried boy twins for us. We're now six. And then with our very last set of embryos, after another huge gap, we worked with a different surrogate who was able to successfully carry um, girl twins who are now 16 months for us. So that's how we ended up having seven kids, three sets of twins, and a singleton. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it's a wild journey for sure. How old are your kids? Um, so 16, 13-year-old twins, six-year-old twins, and one-and-a-half-year-old twins. Big, big span there. Yep, yep, yeah. So I can definitely speak to all of the different stages of parenting up until 16. I know there's a lot more um, headed my way, but um, yeah, it's also very different and unique. You know what I'm curious about is how you talk with your kids about your family and how your family came to be. Yeah. So at the very beginning, you know, we had to go through um, several classes for adoption, for international adoption, um, which I think, I think should be done for all parents to be, (laughs) honestly. Um, But it was there that we learned about the different ways that we could approach talking to our child uh, that we adopted. And then we just took that sort of framework and kept that up with all the different ways that we brought our kids into our lives. So the basic idea being that families are created in different ways. Um, the, the one bond that binds us all together is just the love that we have for one another. And being born in a certain way doesn't make you any less of a family member than another one. And that, you know, they're just, so many different ways that a a child can come into a family. And so we just made that very clear in how we spoke to them. And, you know, kids are always very curious about their, um, their identity and it manifests in different ways as they grow up in the beginning. It's just like, you know, was I in your belly and all this stuff? And then they see it and it became clear, especially when like uh, the older ones would see the next set of kids born. And so it would be like, oh, they're being born via um, in mommy's tummy. And then the next one, they're not being born in mommy's tummy, but they're mommy and daddy's like seed and egg and all of that. So it, it prompts a lot of conversation that we like to keep very open. That's awesome. Yeah. Your podcast, Responding to Life, I love that you talk with people that are on all different journeys to parenthood. And I think it's super eye-opening. Talk to us a little bit about that podcast and like what your heart is behind it. Yeah, no, first of all, thanks for listening to it. I appreciate it. Um, The reason I came up with the, well, first the title was through my work in um, learning mindfulness and meditation. And what one of the first things I learned um, in my training was that, you know, we can go through life reacting to our situations and our experiences. And by reacting, it's usually in the heat of the moment. It's all emotion. It's most likely from things that we've learned in the past and that we just keep repeating. Whereas responding, it involves a little bit of a pause, which is something that I like to talk about and write about a lot. It involves a moment where you just become aware of what's really happening in the present moment and can thereby make a choice to 
figure out how you are going to make these next steps. Are you going to choose the emotion, like the anger and the frustration? Are you going to choose to see like what's really happening in the present moment to yourself, but also to the other person in the situation? And so I wanted to explore the different ways that people have responded to the different challenges that they've experienced in their life. And that stemmed from people asking me about my own journey, being a parent of so many kids and then them coming up, coming into our lives in such different ways that, uh, you know, I came to see that people are just really curious. And a lot of times it also, it helps them to kind of make sense of, what's happening to themselves, even though it's very different um, and helps to inspire them or guide them to take that pause, to respond versus to react and to see what comes with it. Because a lot of the guests that I brought onto the show have taken the challenges that they've had in their lives and did something to help other people with it. How do you find the people that you interview? Um, Pretty randomly. Uh, I do a lot of work in the um, like the Instagram community with infertility. Mm. And so I met a lot of people that way. And I, what I loved about it, just that whole social media aspect is that I didn't have that when I was like, it's like 17 years ago. Yeah. Um, actually more <laughs> because it was like 18 years ago that we really started this process and they didn't have. Instagram, they didn't have like Facebook back then. And certainly once they did, no one was talking openly about their fertility struggles. It's just so taboo. It still can be in this day and age. And I felt really alone. I felt very isolated. Um, it was just me and my husband and we didn't have anyone to outside of like a therapist to really help us normalize what we were experiencing um, and to really uh, help us feel less alone, but also to destigmatize what we were going through. Um, and so that's why I just fell in love with sort of diving into, um, especially the Instagram infertility community to like meet other people and just provide my own story and to answer any questions that one less person can feel alone. And so that's kind of snowballed into how I meet other people and invite them on. You know, I'm always super curious with fertility struggles when you really form friendships with people and you're walking through the same thing when somebody ends up getting pregnant or adopting a baby right. and moves to motherhood or fatherhood and someone else is left behind still in the waiting or not knowing. How does that work like with the relationship? Yeah. Well, one thing is that there is definitely a foundation of empathy and understanding because once you are pregnant, you have a really great sense of knowing where that person is coming from, mm -hmm. especially if they say things like, um, you know, I'm so happy for you, but this is triggering for me right yeah. now. So I might need to have a little space. There is when you come from that background, you're able to really get it. You're able to offer really sincere and authentic um, compassion for someone and empathy. And that makes a world of a difference for someone who is going through or still, you know, in this waiting period for their own lives, uh, because it takes out that 
burden of explanation or that burden of having to like hold up a facade for someone else's comfort, which is what a lot of us feel like we have to do when we're dealing with people who would never understand what we're going through because they haven't gone through it themselves. Um, so it is definitely a special relationship when you become friends with someone and they have moved on. Um, they're still there for you and they can understand. They can also understand if you need to step away or take a break from their relationship. Um, so it is unique. And I think there are definitely no hard feelings in general. Yeah. Um, I think about this even at just like regular parties and things like that. Anytime there's an adult or a couple over the age of, I don't know, whatever the age is and people are wondering like, do they have kids? Are they struggling to have kids? Like there's always that thought and you don't ask the question because it's rude. But I'm curious your thoughts on like social situations when things like that get brought up because oftentimes the person struggling with fertility can get very triggered right? I mean, I would. And then people that have a lot of kids or some kids like don't want to say the wrong thing. So how do we approach these conversations in social settings to be as graceful as possible, empathetic as possible? Yeah. And I have to say that's really thoughtful of you to be considerate of people um, like in that way of trying to figure out what's the right thing to say. Because so often people will, will just like, just ask you. Um, and and what I try, at least for my own process, and sometimes in talking with my like fertility client, fertility mindfulness clients, is that perspective gives us a lot of empathy. And so if we look at it from their perspective, they might be trying to show their concern for you. You know, they might just be just genuinely interested in what's happening in your life. And this is the question that pops up. And that it might not be from a, a frame of malice of trying to make you feel bad. That's just how they're broaching the conversation with you. And that they themselves may not understand that it's triggering, right? So the whole perspective part is really key in trying to like look at the situation so you don't get so hurt by it. And then the other thing is, if you do feel like you get hurt, then it's important to set up your boundaries. Mm. And so if you know that it's just triggering for you, different types of boundaries would be just having like this rote statement, almost like a press release that you, you just say after you get that question of, you know, we're trying, it's really difficult. I, I don't really like talking about it mm. right now. And I'll let you know once I do feel comfortable, but I do appreciate you showing your concern and asking about this. Um, if you're non-confrontational, which I know a lot of people aren't, myself included, you can assign your partner to do it, mm. right? Our partner in infertility is always looking for something to do. They never really know what to do. Um, so this is a great thing that you can task to them um, that they can do like as they're mingling throughout the party or if they're like texting their friends, like whatever situation is, they can sort of preempt it for you so that it doesn't become awkward and it doesn't ruin your time at this function. Another sort of boundary is to just not even just go, right? I mean, that's an option. It may suck because you're not, you're preventing yourself from being a part of things. But if it really is just that hard for you, you shouldn't feel bad about not wanting to like 
go out and engage, sometimes you have to do what's best for you, right? And if that in that moment is not attending at all, then that's what it is, right? Mm. Um, so there are many different ways that it's really important to be mindful of yourself. Right. It all comes back, and in most situations in life, really comes down to being mindful and aware of yourself and your needs, and what is the best way to um, to like approach things. Right. So if you're totally not aware that your trigger is attending these parties and getting these questions, then you won't know that you need to set up these boundaries. You won't know that you need to like do these other things. So it's really important to like tune in and just take a moment and see like, why am I, like it might show up as being really upset a few days leading up to the party. It might Mm -hmm. show up as feeling really like agitated and like not in your own self. And you're wondering, why do I feel this way? Because it's affecting me at work. It's affecting me at home. And you're not sure why. So it's really just stopping and just asking yourself all these questions all the time of like, why am I feeling this way? What is happening right now? Right? It's just all this internal dialogue of checking in. Yeah, that's so good. Anytime there's like an anxiety inducing event or something coming up, I'm always finding myself irritable. I'm like short fused mm-hmm. with cleaning the house, all the things. And if I like step back and zoom out, I can usually see it's just like this weight on my shoulders, like waiting for that thing to happen. Um, yeah. And I appreciate what you said about the boundaries. And it's got to be hard because like you want to go to the social thing. But if you need to give yourself the boundary. Um, before I had my four kids we have now, I had two miscarriages. And I my first miscarriage, I was like probably three weeks before my sister-in-law's baby shower. I just couldn't bring myself to go. And at the time, I kind of felt like I was bad for not going. Mm. Like I was being like really rude and disrespectful and I did have my husband text and let them know like that I wouldn't be coming. And I gave him that. And looking back, I'm like, I th- that was the right thing to do. I needed to do that, you know? Yeah. But totally. it can be challenging to make those calls. Yeah. I mean, we put so much guilt on ourselves. Um, all these expectations of how we should interact with others of how our experience should be. And then when we something like a miscarriage, and I'm so sorry to hear that you had Um, two of them um it can really throw us for a loop because we don't know how then to proceed and um we're trying to be all these things and continue on with life but you know there are those boundaries that we have to respect for ourselves and there are also moments where we have to grieve like our situations right and that um putting yourself in in the throes of a baby shower isn't supportive of the grief process that you needed to go through. All right, friends, I want to take a quick break here and tell you about prep dish. Prep dish is the easiest way to plan your meals for the week, have them prepped for the week and not have to worry about what you're going to make for dinner every night. This is a really busy time of year with all the holidays coming up. And the last thing I want to do is think about what I'm going to make for dinner at 5 p.m. So what happens with PrepDish is you subscribe to PrepDish and you receive an email every single week with an organized grocery list and instructions for prepping meals ahead of time. This means dinner time is super quick and easy every single day. Plus the meal plans are always seasonal. This time of year includes plenty of hearty stews and crock pot meals. Super, super fast. Sometimes prepping feels stressful 
In the past, I used to think I didn't have time to meal prep, but with Prep Dish super fast meal plans, I can prep five healthy dinners in just one hour. And the meals are never boring. So many fun and delicious recipes waiting for you at Prep Dish. And if you want to check it out, Allison, the founder, is offering listeners a free two-week trial to check it out. And you can't beat that. Check out PrepDish.com slash Lindsay. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for this amazing deal. That's PrepDish.com slash Lindsay for two weeks free. This is a no-brainer. Go check it out. All right, friends, back to the show. So talk to me about the four P's that you you work with your clients on and talk about. Yeah. So it really goes back down to that idea of, um, of how to respond to a situation, right? And with that foundation of mindfulness, I think I mentioned already that we can all um, apply mindfulness into our lives. And really, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's just awareness. I think I talked about it already. If you just like take a step back, it really is just being aware of yourself in the moment. It's being aware of your environment and it's being aware of your interactions with other people and how they're feeling in a given moment. And so when you think about it like that, well, then you can apply awareness to parenting. You can apply it to pregnancy, to work, to home life. And it really ultimately just enriches your whole experience because now you're not, um, now you're really experiencing life, right? You're not just sort of going through the motions, like running on autopilot, multitasking, all this stuff. You're really present. And so that's the first, like the first P of it is to pause. And I, I mentioned this before with the, my podcast, Responding to Life. It's important to just take a moment. And pausing can be as simple as like just learning to to take a deep breath and I am a big proponent of taking a deep breath because it allows us to just slow down, um, especially when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling stressed out, we're in a state of fight or flight, and you might notice like you're sweating, your heart is racing, like all these things are happening. Um, but if you incorporate a slow, deep breath, a um, few of them even, it sends a signal to your brain that you're calming down that you're no longer in this fight or flight state. And then all of a sudden you'll notice, like give it a shot sometime, you'll notice that your heart starts to slow down, that your body's cooling down. And what's beautiful about that is that you're the one who did that. Mm -hmm. You have total control about that. And I know there's so many things in life that we don't have control over, but it's great to know that we do have something that's really that powerful in our pocket all the time because we're always breathing. We have to breathe. It's just a matter of manipulating it to our benefit. And so when you're able to, pause, you're able to really gain some perspective on the situation. And I, and I was talking about this before, when you have that moment of pausing, you're able to like, sort of like, as you were mentioning, like zoom out from the situation, almost as if you're looking down on it, or as if someone just hit the, like, had a freeze frame on the show. And they're just looking at everything like, well, what is really happening here, right? My child is throwing this insane tantrum. But really, why, right? Instead of me just yelling at them to stop screaming, what is it that just happened that is making them freak out? And it allows you to just think really fast, like, oh, you know, I saw him have like some words with 
his sibling about a toy. So it's not that he's really upset that I'm asking him to do X, Y, Z. He's upset about that and needs some help with that. And so now I can accurately address what is at the root of his emotions, right? Versus me imposing what I think is really the problem or just trying to sidestep it and not validate his feelings and like moving on. Um, So that perspective, that clarity is huge in trying to really be present to the moment and enrich your relationship with them. And so then once you have that clarity, you're able to pivot to a different path than maybe you would have, right? So maybe you would have wanted to just yell at your child, please just sit down for dinner. Let's just get this done, right? Instead, you can just make that slight pivot and validate and acknowledge what just happened to them. I'm sorry that your brother wasn't being respectful of your, you know, you playing with the toy and just stole it. I saw that happen and I'm really sorry. Um, And then you can move on and sort of that validation like helps them maybe give them some guidance of like, okay, once we're done with dinner, once we have to do this, then we can go back and you can have time with that toy before the next big moment of our day. Um, That kind of helps to diffuse things because you've given, you've extended that presence that you've gained to, to your child. Right. And it can be with anyone. It'd be like a grown up, you know, your spouse or something like that. And then that last P is just that moment of presence where we're in the moment. We are able to really experience life as it's happening and not how it's happening in our head of like how we're envisioning things are supposed to happen, which can create a lot of stress and anxiety because things aren't supposed to go this way. Right. Um, We're really there and we're in it. And that's where the magic happens. That's where life sort of really lives. Right. It doesn't happen in the past. It doesn't happen in the future. It's happening right now. And by following those four P's, you're not missing it. I love that. That's so good. And I have found this validation thing with the kids has been super helpful. I've been trying to do it, you know, for a couple of years now, like acknowledging, I get that this is happening. I'm so sorry this is happening, but we still, you know, we still need to do this. Um, what do you do though? When like, it still doesn't work and your kid's still freaking out and like, they're still not sitting down. I know. I know. As I was saying this as, as my example, I was just laughing in my head because my six-year-old, I have one six-year-old son where it works. Yeah. Like I'll validate him, fine, and he'll move on. But he's like kind of like my rule follower. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I, yeah, that's his jam. The other one, his twin, is very emotional, mm-hmm. right? And he just like, he just needs a lot more hand-holding and attention and everyone's different. So doing the whole validation thing really tough with him yeah. because he needs a little bit more. Mm. But the problem is that he, when he gets really emotional, he can't get the words out, right? He's just stuck in this place of like, just, he needs to just express himself in noise, <laughs> but he can't get to the point where he needs to like verbalize. Right. And, you know, I mean, a lot of parents listening will experience this with toddlers don't have the vocabulary yet yeah. right? so what do you do well with my six-year-old like he has gotten into breathing um so i'll just ask him to breathe with me and be like listen i validated you i, I know that you're still you still need to work this out 
So, you know, let's just, let's breathe together so we can calm down so you can actually use the words that you need to use to really tell me what's happening because I know you want to tell me what's happening. You just can't do it. And then we'll breathe. And he, I mean, he's bought into it. Um, Cause at night we do a lot of like these kids apps where they do breathing. He knows that's what I do for work. Um, he sees me doing it all the time. And so, you know, he's able to do it. It was hard at first and validating. It's just like, it just takes practice. Yeah. I mean, you're ready for it to work because you're like, okay, I see the research, the science, and all these people telling me that it's uh-huh. going to work and that it should happen. But no one's giving this memo to your child. So <laughs> right. it takes so much patience and practice to do it. Um, it's definitely harder with the toddlers who don't have the vocabulary. So in those situations, I do, I mean, every child is different, so you need to know what works for them. But I do a lot of, like, um, hugging for them. Like, I'll, I'll use the words so they can hear it and be familiar with it. But then I also give them, like, um, what they know to be even more validation, which is like a hug or sort of, like, holding them or finding their lovey or whatever and letting them um, sort of self-soothe with that. So it all is different based on the age group that you're at and um, sort of what, you know, that particular child's needs are. I wish I could give you like a magic equation, <laughs> but I can't just practice. Just keep practicing. <laughs> yeah, I think that the biggest struggle tends to be like if multiple kids are fighting, you know, when it's just pure chaos and yeah. you're like, where do I even go? Who do I even start with? You know, that's what yeah. I really struggle with and. Um, I think for me, the most frustrating, overwhelming thing is the fighting. Like when my kids fight and I'm just like, I don't want to live in a house where people fight all the time. And at the same time, I'm telling myself, your kids are not evil, angry people. Siblings fight. But I also feel like ours fight more than most. But I'm also not in other people's (laughs) homes. (laughs) You know? I know. I know. I hear you. I do. Um that's when a lot of self-talk comes in. I don't know. Did you have, did you like fight with your sibling growing up? I know I did. Um, my husband. Oh yeah, we did. (laughs) Did your husband say he didn't? He claimed that he was more tortured since he was a baby. He doesn't remember a lot of fighting because he couldn't really fight back because they were much older than him. (laughs) But yeah, so like I'll do a lot of self-talk. It happened. I was little, this is just how, yeah. you know, this is how they express themselves. But then the other thing is like this whole idea of triaging the situation when you do have multiple things happening at the same time. Like yeah. that's kind of what I do with my six-year-old twin boys. Like I know one for sure that I can just solve quickly, like just get him off the list, taken care <laughs> of so that I know that I can deal with the one who takes a lot longer, you know? Um, and that, just happens all the time over here because I'll have like a 16 year old with all this drama uh-huh. in school and like, and then the other one needing help with homework. And then, uh, and then the girl who's just being like really 13 year old drama all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just am constantly like running shifting each one. You do have to shift your, your mindset and your perspective which is something I've had to learn going through this, but because everyone needs you in a different way. You're really having to shift though all the time. Like how old is your youngest? They're one and a half. They're one and a half, the twins. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a 16 year old. Uh, Yeah. It's so different. Cause like my kids are kind of all crammed together a little bit. They're Uh four through 10 now. So I'm kind of learning like the middle 
kid aged uh-huh. stuff, you know, it's kind of all together. Whereas you've had to learn this like teenage stuff, you know, middle school stuff, preteen stuff while also parenting babies and toddlers. How have you been able to switch that and like kind of move from mode to mode? I know. I think that, well, the running joke is that that's why I um, pivoted to becoming a mindfulness and um, meditation coach because I needed it for myself. I mean, truly I did. At some point I did have to. Um, But yeah, it does help to be like present and remember there's a lot of internal dialogue of like, okay, I'm moving on to the 16 year old. Yeah. This is, this is what's happening. I'm like, I wish I had one of those, you know, those assistants or interns that walked around with you with like a thing and that whispers in your ear, like, <laughs> oh, this is so-and-so and they need, this is what they're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to have that in my head. So like I'll approach them. Um, and I usually take a couple deep breaths because like, I'm, it's a, that's my way of like preparing myself for what's about to come with this person. You know, like when I walk into the room to the 16 year old's room, I take a few deep breaths because I know like I'm about to get an onslaught of like drama and like teenage emotion and all this stuff. Um, So that's my way of sort of getting prepared. Everyone has a different way, but you know, I would highly recommend having sort of like, you know, your own thing and pattern of how to get your mind ready so that you can be present for that child. Yeah. So you also have a book, Mindfulness Journal for Parents. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so that was me um, writing everything down because I got a lot of questions about parenthood and how I'm able to handle all the, the kids at different ages. And basically, it is a book that sort of in the beginning guides you through um, self-care and how you can be mindful for yourself. Because before you were a parent, you were an individual, you were a person. And so the idea being that if you can learn these techniques for yourself and prioritize yourself and care for yourself, that it will trickle out into your family. They'll start to see it. They'll start to model it. Hopefully you'll be able to have a a conversation with your older kids about it um, and provide those same strategies for them as they grow up. And it's a myriad of things because I know not everyone is able to likes to do the same thing, right? Not everyone is comfortable with meditation. So there are journaling prompts, there are visualizations, there are breathing techniques, if that's really um, what you're comfortable with. Basically, you can just flip through and open it and find something that will help you be mindful just even for a few minutes of of your day because all it takes is practice. And um, if you continue to practice, um, then you'll be able to apply it to like, the rest of your life so that's that's the book there and if you happen to be pregnant then I also have a new my latest book is called five minute mindfulness for pregnancy um same idea there but a lot more exercises punk post sends beautifully handwritten cards mailed by artists for you customers place orders via the punk post ios or online platform in the amount of time it takes to send a text from there one of their 100 plus us-based handwriting artists get to work and turn a typed message into a custom handwritten design on the card of your choosing it's in the mail within 24 hours seriously this is the best thing ever i'm always thinking especially when i'm out for a run i I need to send a card to this person this person this person and if i can just do it through punk post that makes my job easier and it's way cuter 
So you all can save on your order at Punk Post when you use the code Lindsay3, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and the number three. That'll get you $3 off your first order. For more information, to start sending love today, visit punkpost.com or follow them at punkpostco on Instagram and download the iOS app. Again, use that code L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-3. That's the number three, Lindsay3. And that'll save you $3 off your first order with Punk Post. All right, friends, back to the show. What was going on in your life when you were like, I have got to get a hold of this? Like, what was your last straw where you're like, I've got to do this mindfulness stuff? And how did you find it? Yeah, it was with my um, with my six-year-old boys. And a lot of things happened at the same time, which was totally poor planning on our part, especially given I used to be an event planner and like plan every <laughs> little detail. Um, so I went back to work. We moved out to California. We had the boys. My husband started a new job um, all at the same time. Okay. And so it's complete chaos. And at one point, I was taking care of the boys. And I remember being with them. But I was also on my phone. And I was working. I was sending up emails. And when I looked back at that day, I couldn't remember my interactions with them. I was so sad because it was like I decided to work from home. But it's not really like I'm there. I'm totally missing it. I work so hard for this to be a mom. Um, this is not how I want this to continue. And so I, I was on my search for like what I needed to do. And a friend recommended meditation and I became hooked and I leveled it up so that I could teach it to other parents and other people um, who are going through infertility. Cause I wish I had these tools. Let's try to conceive and, um, I'm grateful that I have it as a parent to help navigate all this stuff that we're going through. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the hardest parts of parenting, I mean, life in general, parenting aside is just like the lack of control you actually have over so many things and wanting to control so many things. And I love the breathing part of this conversation because like there's one thing you can control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's so much we can't in this creates a lot of anxiety, you know, uncertainty does. Um, But if we know in the back of our minds that we have that, that one strategy, um, and that it's really that powerful, then that gives us a little bit of comfort, a little bit of hope that we can get through the day um, with success. Where did you guys move from to California? Yeah, we were living out east in the suburbs of Boston. We lived wow. in New Hampshire for like six years, and then we moved out to Boston. Um, we're both originally from Chicago, but we ended up there after college. Wow. And then what brought you yeah. to, sh- to California? Was it your husband's job? My husband's job. Yeah, I never in my life thought we would be out here. Really? <laughs> no. What part of California do you live in? Uh, yeah, so we're in Los Angeles, and we're by like Santa Monica, which is just so different i mean it's great for the line of work that i'm in oh sure you know mindfulness meditation everyone <laughs> here. um <laughs> they're a little different out east but it is it is nice that i don't have to get everyone all dressed up in their like oh gear, which would take ages oh ages. <laughs> it's the worst we we moved from indiana to north carolina and so we get probably a little bit more winter than you do here but it's like it's not the same. 
Like, we, you know, we had snow like one day last year and it was like not much snow at all. I'm like so grateful to not have to bundle up for three months of the year. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. It just adds so much time. And just stuff, stuff too. So much stuff. Everywhere. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> um. All right. Well, what is something that you want to do professionally or personally that you haven't done yet? Great question. My biggest goal for the longest time was to write a book. Mm. And so I've written that. Yeah. Um, and so I, and then I have a wellness retreat coming up. Oh, fun. That are in the works. So I think the biggest thing that I'd love to do is just speak to bigger audiences, like at conferences or something like that. Because one of my, one of the fears that I still am in the works of trying to get over is like big public speaking. Uh, I'm not, that's not my comfort zone. So I'm trying to always push myself to, to just try new things and get over fears and all that. That breathing's really going to come into play before you get on stage. Yeah, it totally will. <laughs> it totally will. <laughs> Need that. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, actually, the one I am in the midst of reading right now is called Chatter, which is all about turning our – I forgot the name of the person who wrote it. But it's about um, taking our inner critic and turning them into our inner champion. Mm. Sounds awesome. Yeah, totally is. Uh, two more questions. Where is somewhere you've been with your family or an activity you've done that you highly recommend we all do? We love Montana. Ooh. We did a family vacation out there. Um, so I would recommend, if I just made it just general, to go somewhere that's um, like back to nature. It's like you can't make it out to uh, Montana because the kids, even just the, all the various age groups, they all appreciated that moment of like slowing down. Yeah. Like they didn't like the idea of it as I was forcing on them. <laughs> like we're not doing iPads during this vacation. Yep. 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 Uh, as much as it pains me. But after a couple of days, they really got into it and they really appreciated just the fact that like we were in a different environment altogether and that they could like just be in nature and appreciate things in a different way. Yeah. I find with the iPad thing or video games or whatever the screen is that, is the the crutch at your house whoever's listening if it's just not an option for my kids it's not a problem because it's right. not there so like right. if we go somewhere and it's like we just know it's off the table we don't even have to talk about it whereas I if know. it's like yeah. you have thir each kid has 30 minutes or hour whatever it is then it's like constant asking is it my turn is it my turn five mm -hmm. more minutes and i'm like i just don't want it to be a part of the situation yeah it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around, like when you're and to commit to, right? Because yes. you know, like it helps us as parents. But you're right; totally. it takes out so much time of trying to like referee things Ugh. and bargain. Like just so much time saved. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I have a way with like all or nothing, and I, I do think you know I've had a really good conversation on this podcast with Ash Brandon talking about like how sometimes screens can be really beneficial for you and your kids and like the, you know, the ways to set healthy boundaries and all those things. And I have a real love hate relationship with the whole situation. Um, <laughs> I have a hard time finding a mil middle ground. I'm all or nothing sometimes. So um, yeah. yeah, finding that middle ground you. is important, but yeah, sometimes on those trips, it's like, it's just not even an option. So figure out something else yeah. to do. Right. Right. And they do. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, last question is, what's your last message to leave with our audience? Um, that was a great question. It was a quote, and I thought it was great. It was by Simon Vale, and it was something like, um, awareness is the greatest gift that you can give to others, but also to yourself, really. Um, awareness and presence, if you think about it, because you just look at it from the perspective of your child, mm. uh, especially the young ones. They really, and even the old ones, they just want you there to listen to them or help them out with something, right? They need you like really there. And that is, it is, it's such a gift. That's beautiful. Ties back to that moment when you realized, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, yeah, totally. I, I want to be here. I want to be present. So good. Uh, Josephine, thanks so much for coming on the show. This is so great. Thanks so much. I loved all your questions. It's really engaging. So thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. All right, friends. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Josephine, for coming on the show. You can follow Josephine on Instagram, Josephine at Flurry over there. That's A-T-L-U-R-I. You can find me personally. I'm Lindsay Hines 626. You can find this podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling, both on Instagram. And if you want to learn more about this show and all the shows in our network, just go to sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends. Have a great rest of your day, and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling.